Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Delighted that you're with me. If you were with me in our last episode, you know I talked about the insurrection of January the 6th, some of the features, some of the background, some of the things that might have happened. And I told you that in this podcast, I was going to speak more to religious leaders and mainly, by the way, uh, to my evangelical crowd. So that's what I'm going to do in this podcast. I'm delighted for the rest of you who are listening, particularly those of you, by the way, who are non-Christians. I have many Many Muslim listeners, many Sikh listeners, many atheist listeners. Granted, I'm delighted that you're here. You know that I say it almost every episode. We have great interactions online, and I'm thankful for you. Now, I want to talk to my religious leader crowd, and the reason is that this insurrection, this riot that happened on January 6th was just infused with religion. And obviously, This is not uh, any one group's fault, but we need to analyze some trends and we need to be uh, a bit more cautious in the future. And that's what I want to talk about in this podcast. As I looked over the crowd and I have watched video over and over and over again of the January 6th riot. Uh, Not so much looking at the violence that happened at the front lines, but looking at the nature of the crowd. Uh, I know that there were, because of course I have friends and connections, as I said last time, uh, to people who who were there. Um, I know that many of them are the salt of the earth, uh, American, you know, heartland Christians from churches who believed that the election was being stolen, who believed our nation was going the wrong way, who didn't want to see uh, an administration that would basically be Obama too, uh, as many people expect the uh, Biden administration will be, and uh, believed what Donald Trump was telling them was that the election had been stolen. They would nobody would believe that a president would just out and out lie or manufacture things, and so. Uh, this was the motivation for a great many people. They wanted to pray. They wanted to repent. They wanted to blow shofars. They wanted to make a a new day uh, happen and cry out to God from the nation's capital. I get it. I've done it. I've knelt on the, on the, uh, on the mall. I've spoken at DC events. I've, you can, I won't even go through my whole resume of these things. I'd like, I believe, I, one of the reasons I live in this city uh, is that it's a city that's a clash of ideas. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I consider myself a slightly right of center person politically, uh, definitely an evangelical, uh, definitely a traditional Christian and all that that means. And yeah, I want to bring that to bear on my country. I'm allowed to. It's part of the foundation of my country, and, I, and I'm, I'm allowed to, want to, call to, commission to. So, yeah, I get it. I completely understand. Now, as I said last time, what happened on that day is that that motif, that drive, that desire got merged in with all kinds of things, anti-Semitism, skinhead, proud boys, um, people showing up in riot gear, prepared for violence, people building gallows, people chanting, hang Mike pants, people on the search for Nancy Pelosi with zip ties in their hands so that they could handcuff Nancy Pelosi and presumably kill her. People illegally carrying weapons um, in D.C. Again, I am not anti-gun. I say it all the time and I say it 
fully in order to make sure that every, anybody joining us for the first time uh, knows that I have guns, carry guns, have concealed carry permits, have had my life threatened, want to be part of the answer and solution uh, in, a, in, a, in a shooter situation. And so everywhere it's legal, uh, I usually have a gun strapped on uh, and don't make a big deal of it. You cannot do that in D.C. So anybody who showed up there at the Capitol with a gun was doing it illegally, probably knew it and intended to do harm. So that's what evolved. That's what occurred. We know that. People were wearing pro-Auschwitz t-shirts. People were wearing just about every kind of anarchy thing. People, there were lots of Confederate flags, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you draw your own conclusions. You're smart. What I'm concerned about for us who are religious leaders is the implications of this. I want to, I want to make a couple of points here. Um, I am a guy who often urges people to be of impact in their generation. I want them to pray for their city. I want them to serve in their city. I want them to convert hearts. Uh, I want them to serve people. I want them to talk to the political leaders. I want them to build connections to other institutions of faith, build across lines, Protestant, Catholic, <clears throat> excuse me, Christian, Jewish, etc. I want all of that to happen. So I'm often talking about uh, impacting the city. I might even use the language, take the city. Uh, take the city for righteousness. Let's impact this city. Let's flood this city with righteousness, with servanthood, um, with prayer, uh, with unity. Let's take this city for noble causes. I probably have said that a thousand times. What I'm asking you to be aware of now is the way that might be heard. Because there's apparently a connection that's a, a pencil's width <laughs> in distance between the people who might be in your church, your synagogue, uh, your institution of faith, who are you consider to be good people, not violent, wanting to do noble things in the community, and those who will take the very words I've just spoken as a commission to violence. There, there, there's, a, there's a connection. In other words, if our unifying factor is that we believe we need to stop the steal, well, that can involve people in, your, in the pews of your congregation, but it can also involve skinheads. It can also involve uh, an, the anti-Semitic types. Uh, it can also involve the Proud Boys. It can also involve the Klan. It can also involve, you get my point. And so that's what happened on January 6th. You had a cause uh, that apparently was about stop the steal, but because of the incendiary rhetoric, because of the seething dissatisfaction in this country, because of the militarization of certain groups, um, you basically had an armed invasion of the U.S. Capitol. And people are going to go to prison over it, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is that we as people of faith are careful about our, what we say. I'm going to be a bit more careful. I'm not changing from what I believe. I absolutely want to see America uh, converted. No question about it. I say this knowing I've got Jewish friends uh, listening to this right now. I've got Muslim friends listening right now. Of course, we all would like everybody in the world to be of our faith. Of course. When I work in the Middle East, as I do, and work with my Kurdish friends, when we're sitting around late at night having tea... You know, they'll say, Stephen, why aren't you a Muslim? Why, why don't you join us? You know, <laughs> and I, we just have a good laugh and, and we're open about it. And I say, sure, I'd love for you to be a Christian. That's not just an evangelical thing. You know, I've often said on this podcast, if I found a better, if I read a good book, seen a good movie, found a better shampoo, uh, had a dinner at a fantastic restaurant, I'd be recommending it to everybody I could talk to. Same thing, of course, with something as important as my faith. When I think I found answers and wholeness and healing and the meaning of life, of course, I'm going to share it with those I care about. So to, to want my country to be impacted 
impacted by my faith is not is not some kind of domination. It's not some kind of uh, Christian nationalism. It is exactly what the Great Commission tells me to do. And I, in my situation, make some of you nervous because I talk to, meet with, dine with, and work with on certain causes. People are very, very, I've had Protestant ministers come up and say, why do you work with the Catholics? Well, I love the Catholics. I believe most of them are Christians, just like most of the people in your church are probably Christians. And they want to work with me on on pro-life issues. I'm there. I'm with them. I love them. I work with priests for life all the time. I've spoken at Catholic gatherings. Yes, I will work with my Catholic friends. I could go on and on. And I've done the same, by the way, with my Muslim friends. I'm definitely not a Muslim. They're definitely not Christians. We are very open about that with each other. But Muslims are pro-life. And so they often, in some situations in the world, have worked with me on those issues. I'll work with them. Okay, that's, that's, that's me speaking again to Stephen Mann, the breadth of Stephen Mansfield and what I try to, try to do in reaching across lines. So what I'm trying to say is the language I might use at a given church, at a given gathering, Now I need to think about it in terms of not just having my crowd, people who think and believe like I do, read what I read, believe what I read, affirm the creeds that I affirm, et cetera, et cetera, the doctrines that I affirm. I need to think about others taking sanction from those words. If if someone who is anti-Semitic, if someone who is a skinhead, if someone who is violent, if someone who is uh, planning to kidnap the governor of my state, uh, if someone who is uh, planning to storm into the U.S. Capitol and kidnap Nancy Pelosi and hang her on the gallows they've constructed in the lawn, on the lawn, hearing me and hearing me say, well, let's take this city for Jesus. Let's take the, let's take the city for our faith. Um, and that's being said in a church context, but it's being taken outside of that church context and applied to their already violent, misguided, uh, anti-Semitic, et cetera, et cetera, agenda, then I'm lighting a fire that can cause unbelievable damage. I'll tell you one thing about the crowd that invaded the Capitol on January 6th. They all believed they were doing a right thing according to their modality, their philosophy, their view of the world, their, maybe even we could call it their religion. They believed they were doing the right thing. And in fact, they were doing a criminal act, an ungodly thing, an un-American thing, and I can speak for my own faith, an unchristian thing. I don't mean all who were there were unchristian, but those who were kicking a Capitol policeman to death, who was doing nothing but protecting our elected leaders, uh, that, that, those people were doing evil. Uh, those who were hunting down Nancy Pelosi to kill her, those who were chanting for Michael Pence to be hung when he had done nothing wrong, Nothing un-American, nothing outside the Constitution, that's ungodly. So we as leaders have to be careful about our, the unintended consequences of our words. All right, number two, I understand that many of my fellow religious leaders were excited about Donald Trump. This was partially uh, because his campaign did a great job, uh, largely under the direction of Paula White, getting religious leaders to meet with him. He was obviously a neophyte. He didn't claim to be an experienced, deep Christian, but he wanted to champion the religious cause. Was this politically motivated? Of course it was. Uh, But it may have also had come from some sincere place in his heart, which I'm not able to judge. So many religious leaders, many of my friends, many pastors, many Uh, many of my Jewish friends excited about Donald Trump, excited about what he would champion, uh, excited about, God knows, a break from the Obama administration and its radical uh, anti-traditional Christian kind of agenda as many perceived it. Okay, I'm saying that as kindly as I can say it. 
And so there's been an attachment by religious leaders to Donald Trump. There's been a love for him. I've gone to speak in churches. And when I spoke to the staff the next day, had pastors talk to their staffs and say, if you're not voting for Donald Trump, you're just, you're just missing God. I mean, I've literally had people say that in my presence. I'll take them aside afterwards and say, whoa, 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 hang on here. Um, I'm not saying Hillary Clinton is the shining light of heaven, but I am saying be careful uh, about that. There are other options um, beyond Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. So all that to say, uh, we've got to realize the implications of that commitment. Uh, I believe, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, in something called prophetic distance. I've chaplained political leaders, advised them, consulted with them, ministered to their families. Um, I love them. I'll help them. I'll speak the truth of God to them. I'll pray with them. I'll help them through the tough times uh, in their life, their marriage, their kids, I'll pastor slash chaplain, um, their families, etc. That's not the same thing as being on their PR team. That's not the same thing as uh, excusing everything they do. That's not the same thing as allowing their coarse nature to be absorbed into my life and thus into my church. And I want us to be aware that Donald Trump's very crass, coarse, cussing, um, mean-spirited nature, whatever virtue there is to what he championed politically, has seeped into the church, the portion of the church that endorses him, has seeped into our religious leaders. Um, I, I attended a sermon not too long ago where the minister was actually dropping the F-bomb and, and cussing and being vile and talking about the left like they were the Antichrist. And this is not godly. This is not biblical. I Surely you know that. So I want us to be aware of a un, perhaps an ungodly attachment to Donald Trump. Now, when I say those words, some of you, you got to slow down and listen to me now. I'm not saying it is ungodly to be attached to Donald Trump. It's not ungodly to support him. It's ungodly to vote for him. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that the way that there was almost no difference between the way some clergy uh, ministered to him and then joined his PR team, joined his campaign, became spokesman and apologist for him, that's ungodly. Uh, we've got a Christian governor in Tennessee. I like him very much. His name is Bill Lee. I think he's done a great job uh, handling things. Um, if I were his chaplain, if I were on his board of spiritual advisors, um, I would minister to him, share the gospel with him, pray for him, encourage him, help him understand moral issues, bring ethics to bear on what he does, be a counselor to him. He could call me late in the night for encouragement from God. But I'll tell you, um, that doesn't mean I'm attached to him. That doesn't mean I'm an apologist for him. That doesn't mean I'm representing him politically. That doesn't mean I've joined his PR team, as much as I believe, by the way, in Bill Lee, uh, governor of Tennessee. I maintain prophetic distance. I maintain the kind of distance it takes to be able to not need anything from him, not accept anything from him, not be paid in any way, and to be free to speak the truth without uh, any kind of loss, without any kind of, oh gosh, I better not tell him what I think is the truth about the situation because he's paying me or because I really like flying on the plane or because I really like being on the bus or because I really like being the preferred of the governor, that kind of garbage. And that's happened repeatedly with the clergy and Donald Trump. It's happened repeatedly. Some of my dearest friends, some of my favorite author friends, uh, they have absolutely compromised their souls in supporting Donald Trump blindly to the public, defending him in every way, when their real job was to speak the truth to him, counsel him, guide him, consult him with him, uh, coach him, pastor him, but maintain enough distance that they could speak the truth in any situation without uh, any kind of idolatry or any kind of uh, sense of attachment that kept them from doing what they were sent by God to do. 
So we need to watch for this in our lives. We need to watch what has happened uh, in our souls. We need to watch what's happened in our congregations, the coarsening, the anger, the bitterness. What happened on January 6th was an overflow of pent-up anger, about half to three-quarters of which was not legitimate. Mike Pence did not steal this election for the left. Um, There's not any evidence that I have seen, as I've said repeatedly in this podcast, that the election was stolen. Sure, some corruption at low levels once in a while happens every election. Was this election stolen? Seven million votes were manufactured. Has that been proven? No, not in 50 different, more than 50 different court cases. If I see it, I'll say so publicly. If somebody convinces me, I'd love to know. But that's the anger that caused people to storm into the Capitol, murder guards, murder people who are nothing but civil servants, and go in search of murdering our elected officials. We need to be aware of that. Also, I want to urge that in the years to come, I'm speaking to you evangelicals, you Christians of every kind now, I want to urge that we, we call people to prayer, we call people to intercession, we call them to righteousness, but we do it free of a political slant. For me to call America to prayer, to cry out to God, to repent of our sins, uh, to seek God, to see our churches and our institutions of faith flooded, um, to see revival. I don't mind using the Christian word revival, to see a returning to God. That doesn't mean that we're filling the coffers of the right wing. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, to, to call people to Jesus is not to call people to the GOP. It's not the same thing. And there's a lot about the GOP that's wrong. There's a lot about it that's misguided. There's going to be a lot of soul searching now. And I'm asking you to lead in this and not to see yourself as part of the GOP apparatus. I am a conservative. I am on the right. I'm not sure how much of a Republican I am these days, but I'm definitely a conservative independent. And I work closely with uh, Republicans up on the Hill. And Some of the people who were targeted on the Hill, good Republican people, uh, were Trump supporters and their life was being threatened by the nitwits who invaded the Capitol. What I'm asking you to do is to make a step towards purity. Preach the pure gospel. Preach the pure truth. Uh, strip off the the, the political uh, attachments. Um, we're we're not we're not a recruiting firm for the GOP. We're not a recruiting firm for the hard right wing. We're not a recruiting firm, by the way, for the left. For those of you who listen to my podcast, and there are many of you um, who are you know representatives of the religious left. Let's get the gospel back in front of America, shorn of all political accoutrement. I urge you to get clean. I urge you to get right. Yes, there are political implications to our gospel. I've already said I'm pro-life. I've already said I'm in favor of, of, of you know private property and the rule of law and a constitutional republic. And I can go on and on and on. And I'm pro-Israel and all of that. But but that's to believe those things and have those things grow organically out of my faith is not the same thing as using my faith to feed to fill political coffers. We're going to have to make some changes. We're going to have to grow. We're going to have to do better than we've done before. We're going to have to get back to the core of what we believe. I want to say something as a closing thought. The word radical really means in Latin to go to the root. I want to urge you to go to the root of your faith. Go to, your, to the root, those of you who are Christians, of your Christian faith. Go to the core of what you believe. Realize that Jesus challenged political systems as much as he um, might have spoken political truth. And he did, of course. But he challenged political systems. He had a suspicion, a concern about the rulers of this world. 
We should too, left, right, and center. And I say that with some of the people who were sitting in the Senate uh, being some of my best friends. Some of my best friends were sitting in that Senate well on this on the floor of the Senate when the intruders on on January 6th began to threaten their lives. And I say openly that to go to the root of our faith is to have a certain caution and suspicion about governments, about rulers, about political systems, and to speak into them meaningfully. Let's repent. Let's return. Let's revive. That's what I want you to do. I love you. I know you're doing a tough thing in a tough generation, and I'm with you. If I can help you, make contact with me. I'll be happy to jump in. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.